Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that his man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master has taken the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred drugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and make it fifty. Then he asked another, How much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers a week. He said, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than with the children of the light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may feel welcome, welcome, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in very much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seen and by our children. Robert Capon, he's a biblical scholar. He wrote a, a commentary on parables, and he wrote an entry about the parable of the unjust steward, and he calls it the hardest parable. And it's true. I went back and read the sermon I preached on this text three years ago, and I'm surprised none of you brought me up on charges of heresy. Thank you for that. I mean, it wasn't that bad of a sermon, but it definitely wasn't one of my finest pieces of work. This isn't an easy parable to interpret. It's, it's not an easy parable for us Christians to hear. We don't really enjoy hearing, be like the shrewd business person. The 2008 recession, the idea of acting like banks who pry on unsuspecting consumers, robbing people blind of their financial futures does not seem very Christ-like. There are some that claim Jesus never said this parable, that it was added years after his ascension, hundreds of years after his ascension. The problem with this approach is that there's no way to prove that Jesus didn't say it. And the second, if Jesus didn't say it, then who did? And where do you start drawing the line then? Do we just pick and choose what we like and don't like? It sounds a lot like modern day consumerism. A problem that's been affecting the plague in the church for the last 50, 60, 70s, and even 80 years. But that's another sermon for another day. I come from the approach that Jesus told this parable and that Jesus wants to hear it from a background of grace and not morality. 
Don't be like the, pe- the person in the parable. Don't be like the unjust steward. This parable is not how you should be living as a Christian. And most of the bad interpretations of this parable are a result of not being able to hear the parable in the original language. There are two key words that stand out in Greek. Wasting and money, and, or the, it's the same word, money slash possessions. These two p- words point the parable towards grace and, and a grace interpretation rather than a morality interpretation. Wasting is the same verb used in the prodigal son to describe the boy wasting of his substance in a foreign country. I think Jesus and Luke want us to think prodigal son with this parable. He wants us to think grace. And notice the interaction between the master and the unjust steward. The master, without any trial or fair inquiry, simply reads the steward the riot act. What is this that I hear that you have done? You're a disgrace. Turn in your books. You're fired. Just as the prodigal son death enters the parable early. The son found himself to be dead in some far off country. The steward comes out of the master's office with none of his old life left at all. Both of them are dead. Trapped in their own skin with no way out. But this is where Jesus takes the parable a different direction. I'm thankful for that. Because we already have a parable of the prodigal son. The parable of the unjust steward tells us something different about God, Jesus, and the coming dominion of God. So notice what happens after the unjust steward's life is taken away. He says to himself, what shall I do now that my master has taken away my mandership, my life? I'm not strong enough to work as a laborer. Too proud to beg. I got nothing. But I do got my brains. I'm going to try to out-act the unforgiving tyrants. So he, he wants to play letter of law games, does he? He would like to look at my books. All right. I'll do just that after I make a few adjustments. So he goes to the master's client and starts slashing their bills. Pay now in cash and you only have to pay a small portion. And this could go either two ways. The master could be very upset that he's not getting fully compensated for what was borrowed. Essentially, the unjust steward just cost the masters lots of potential capital. On the other hand, cash is king. It really doesn't mean anything if all your money is tied up in loans. Those are just numbers on a paper, and numbers on a paper don't put food on the table. What matters is how much cash you have in your till, and, that's, and this has a dual effect. Now, not only does it give the masters some cash, it makes the unjust steward look like an amazing guy to everyone who is receiving help. And in the future, hopefully these same people will remember the unjust steward. For remember what the unjust steward said, I am not strong enough to work as a laborer, and I'm too proud, too proud to beg. The unjust steward is going to need a place to live if all this doesn't work out. The unjust steward forgives a great deal of debt, and the master turns around and praises him for this action. Remember I said that we should hear this parable from a standpoint of grace. Forgiveness is key to hearing the parable. The steward who finds himself dead realizes that he is freed by death to think about things in ways he could not have thought about before. He who was once dead becomes the agent of life for everybody in the parable. The unjust steward also shows us resurrection. The debtors would only make the deal with someone who was unjust and crooked as they were. They would never have gone near him if they hadn't been convinced he was dead to all the laws of respectable bookkeeping. 
In many ways, this parable describes the death and resurrection that is awaiting Jesus in Jerusalem. The unjust steward dies and rises like Jesus by his death and resurrection. The unjust steward raises others just like Jesus. And probably the most important shared quality is both Jesus and the unjust steward are both crooks. Did you all hear that? Hear me out. Look at the biblical narrative about everything that Jesus has, been, has committed. All the offenses. He's, he's broken the Sabbath. He's eaten dinner with sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes. He died as a criminal. Jesus became for us sin for us, Jesus became for us sin for us sinners, weak for us weaklings, lost for us losers, and dead for us dead. St. Augustine said, The cross is the devil's mousetrap, baited with Jesus' disreputable death. And it's a mousetrap for us too. Jesus baits us criminals with his own criminality. As the shady debtors in this parable were willing to deal only with the crooked steward and not with the upright Lord. So we find ourselves drawn by the bait of a Jesus who winks at inequity and makes friends with sinners, of us crooks. And all the losers who would never in a million years go near God are somehow drawn close to God and receive a once in a lifetime deal. Forgiveness. God becomes a crook in order to save a crook like you and me. God, does that make you feel a little uncomfortable this day, my brothers and sisters? It makes me feel very uncomfortable. In fact, I fear this idea might upset the entire social order, and I hope it does. I know it already has. It should make us upset who go through life expecting reciprocity instead of mercy, who demand that God give us what we are owed instead of begging God for mercy. We gussy up Jesus to make him out to be this untouchable person. We focus only on the divine part rather than on the human part. Jesus knows what we go through each and every days of our life. The coming dominion of God knows the struggles of crooks like you and me. But the good news of this parable is that at the, is that the head of this new dominion is a man who lived with crooks and was considered to be a crook by the rest of the world. And he has a deal to make only with other crooks. So you a crook? Good. Take the deal. Take the deal that Jesus Christ has made with you. Take the forgiveness. Because we aren't dealing with a just steward. We're dealing with, if we were dealing with a just steward, we would receive justice. And justice is not something you want. Justice means facing punishment for your crimes. Justice might sound good, but remember we're crooks. We're guilty sinners. Rather, we are dealing with an unjust steward who acts as shrewdly as you and me and who is making a once-in-a-lifetime deal with you. Forgiveness is the lifetime deal, the once-in-a-lifetime deal. So take the deal.